Hello, everyone. Welcome to Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave. Do I have any updates on the beef? Not as of right now. Um, I'm waiting on the Westchester bozos to respond. They have yet to respond. To be honest, I understand it. To be smacked down so hard to undergo such a shellacking. I don't know if I would have been able to deal with it if I was them. So the fact that they're taking their sweet-ass pimp time responding to me does not surprise me in the least. And I understand it's going to take them a little time to get up, brush the dust off, and uh, and, uh, re- and make their rebuttal. I mean, and I'm, I'm waiting patiently. And I assume that if they do respond, the logical next step would be a face-to-face, in-person confrontation. And we can hash this beef out man-to-man like men do. So I don't know that the woke boys would be on board with that. Woke people tend to be averse to handling things like men. But we'll see what happens. And I'm excited I'm as excited as you are. So that's great that we've got that in the works. You know what? This is a good. Um, this is a good time to, I think. Um, I have not thought about this very much or written about it, but you know. So l- let me let me give you an example. Not an example, but. A lot of the time before I talk to you guys about something, I like to just write a rough draft of what I'll be talking about on the podcast. I don't read it then on the podcast, but it's just to lay out the ideas and it's it's um it's most it's mostly for the order of things to see where I'll start what what things will go in order and where will it finish the beginning middle and end because so my my thoughts aren't just completely all over the place like they are right now so that's what I'll do for that but i haven't thought about this until i just said that this is something that anyone should do i feel like because i think it's pretty effective and i've only seen it small scale and so i can't speak as someone who's ever had viral content, because none of my shit's ever gone viral, 100,000 likes or whatever. But I have some stuff that's gone small scale viral. Let's put it like that, small scale viral, right? So just in in this community, just out of the people. And what, what I mean by that is that, let's take the Yakuza Chronicles, for example. I had this funny thing happen with Venmo. I was like, let me post it on Instagram. And next thing I know, people are very engaged with the story. And so I made a thing. And you can make things whenever. It's like whether or not they'll stick, that's another thing. That's another question entirely, whether or not they'll stick or generate any momentum. But as soon as they catch and generate momentum... You have to ride the momentum wave, or it would be it would it's the best way to utilize it. Something that goes viral 
if something went viral for real for you, then that's a great momentum thing. And you can't expect to get, like, let's say a tweet went viral and you got 100 followers. Your tweet goes viral, 300,000 retweets. <clears throat> now, you can't expect to then get 300,000 followers. But maybe you'll go from 100 followers to 1,000 followers. And, and then you should be more encouraged to generate more, more and more in an effort that now that you have more exposure, your likelihood of another thing going viral goes up slightly, not very much, but slightly. And then maybe it happens again. You strike gold again. Maybe it's, maybe it's 500 tweets later, but you strike gold again and now it's gone viral. The same thing happens. Now you go from a thousand followers to like 3000, right? So you could play that kind of game. And obviously that's a horrible way to go about it. If that's your primary focus is just on going viral. That's a bad way to go about it. What I'm trying to say is that if things do go viral, even if it's on a small scale, like you do something, maybe if you're one of the other comics and you did something and uh, on social media or whatever, and people were all into it, then ride the wave and, and really juice it, really milk it or whatever. Because when the Yakuza thing happened with Venmo on Instagram, people were into it. And I thought, I can um, take this back to my podcast. And then I can make some podcast episode episodes, which is where Yakuza Chronicles came from. So it was utilizing the momentum and riding the wave. And those podcasts have more listens than a lot of my other podcasts because people were interested and they wanted to, to know more. So then, then we have this beef, you know, with me and two mic minimum. And I was at uh, open mic last night and all the comics were like, dude, this is hilarious. This beef really enjoy it. So it's like, yeah, we're going to keep it going and we'll keep, you know, I'm making lots of social media posts about it, like get people intrigued, like they got beef, but why? Oh, find out on the podcast. And then when they have the rebuttal, like share the fuck out of that. Oh, they fi- the West, Be- the Westchester bozos have fired back. Hear what they said. And then I'll go on there. And that's what it's about. It's about like making things. And then as soon as something catches and there's momentum is being built, then put energy into it because it's worth the energy. If it's not catching, then it's probably best not to put too much energy into it. But as soon as something starts to catch and you feel that wave or the thing moving in that direction or pulling you in that direction... Then it's time to double down and try to take advantage. Again, like I'm just talking about my experience, small scale and how it's worked. And it does work. And people do become intrigued. And I don't know, it just seems like good practice for now. And it's it's probably a good uh, skill to have or, or to be able to recognize those types of things and then know when it's time to run with that idea. So that's uh, that's what I wanted to say about that, making things happen. Now, why did I make this podcast? I forgot. Shit. 
I totally forgot, dude. I had an idea. And then I just went on that. I just went down that side road and now I forgot. No. No. <laughs> Shit. No. Oh my God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to delete it. I don't want to delete it. I just recorded a podcast before this and I deleted it because I was like 10 minutes into it and I was like, this one's not going very well. Let me delete it. Oh, this is what I wanted to tell you guys about. This is a message to comedians, but I suppose that it can go to anyone for anything creative wise. And this is something that I was feeling yesterday and a realization of basically how, and I haven't figured out why yet, if it's laziness or if it's fear or what, but if you're a comedian and you're listening to this, then you know one of the best feelings is when you sit down to write and you write a joke and as you're writing the joke, as the pen is being put to the paper or your fingers are typing the keys, as you're writing the joke, you know it's hilarious. That, for me, one of my favorite feelings. When I'm like halfway through writing the joke and I'm all of a sudden very excited because I'm like, holy shit, this is funny. And then I'm like just typing away. I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. I can't wait to tell this joke. It's one of my favorite things. When you're sitting there and you're writing and everything's clicking and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be great. It's such a beautiful feeling. Generating that from scratch is really awesome, but it's not that easy to generate a really good joke from scratch, which is why 90% of the jokes I write, I never tell at a show. I tell them on stage at an open mic, <clears throat> a lot of them never get told, told on stage. If they go through at the open mic and I see some potential, I work on them. I probably end up rewriting it. I end up changing it a lot. There's a whole process that goes through it. But occasionally, I will write something and then and then from from there, from that moment, it's ready for a show. From the second I wrote it. It's rare, but it happens. And it's the same way with writing. Maybe you write blogs or, you know, you're, uh, maybe you review movies or something. And generally speaking, your work would require editing. But then there, there are occasions where you'll write something and you're like, this is really good. And then you read it over the next day. And you're like, wow, I don't even have to edit this. And that's rare. It hardly ever happens, but it does happen. And even with those jokes, they do require tweaking, but that's the point I'm going to make here. I have all these jokes. I have an insane amount of jokes. My perspective when I started in comedy was about quantity and quality in terms of jokes. I wanted to have a huge arsenal of jokes. Always wanted to have that. 
So I would write tons of jokes and I would never, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even um, talk shit about this, but there are a lot of comics who go on stage and then maybe throughout the week, they're working on one joke in particular. And so I see them at five different mics and they tell the joke at all five mics, but I see what they're doing because they're molding it and shaping it and trying saying different things differently like maybe they'll say something like this or maybe they'll say the same line like this and it could be even things as simple as that which it's crazy how little things like that can actually have a major impact on the joke just the way you say it but anyway that's what a lot of comics will do and at, at least for me my first, I want to say, like, two years, I rarely said the same joke on stage, especially at open mics. I always wanted new material at the open mics. That had pros and cons to it. I've talked to a lot of the comedians about this, so you'll, you'll, this will be redundant for you, but the pros of that approach were that now, four years in, where I am now, I have tons of jokes. There's, you know, I mean... A lot of them, when I switched phones, I basically went through all of my jokes. There were probably about a thousand on my old phone. And I just scrapped probably 800 of them. I only kept like 200. And now on my new phone, I, I don't even know. I couldn't put a number on it, but there's a lot. I, I'm, it's, not, it's not an insane number, but it's more than a thousand. And then there's like a graveyard that I have on my phone too. It's the archives. And... Uh, well, maybe not more than a thousand, to be honest with you, but several hundred and then a lot in the graveyard, too, that I buried them. But I like to have them. I like to keep them there so that I can refer back to them just to see how bad I was at writing. Let me let me show you guys. I go to the archive right now, right? I'm on my phone. Let me go to the archive and just find a random joke and I'll tell you guys and then you'll know why. It's in the archive. You'll be like, oh, wow, that's why he keeps that in the archive. Um, let's see. Basketball versus hockey. I'm just going to read the joke and do it no justice, but just know that it's so bad. Um, I really like basketball, and I really like hockey. I wouldn't say I particularly like one more than the other. <laughs> like, look at that already. The first two sentences... There are so many more words, though. There are so many more words than required. I really like basketball, and I really like hockey. I wouldn't say I particularly like one more than the other. That sounds so bad. This is why it's in the graveyard. So bad. I'm not, I'm not going to continue reading the joke. It's just know it gets worse than that, and there's never a punchline. But I like to keep those just for moments like this when I can be like, wow, that's horrible. See where I'm coming from. And that's part of when you're, you know, when you're writing this many jokes, like a lot of them are bad. Like I just said, 90% of the jokes don't make it into shows. It's probably even higher than that. It's probably 95% of the jokes. But if you take 95% away from a thousand jokes, that's still 50 jokes, which is a lot of time. That's a couple hours that's probably two or three hours 50 jokes you know depends how long the, the jokes are obviously so that's been always my perspective now 
as I was saying, the pro to that is that I have tons of jokes now. The con to that is that I have fewer polished jokes than a lot of my peers. And I'll say, for example, my friend Jimmy McDonald, he's one of the best comics in the area, and that dude's a master at polishing jokes. And he would say, and he would say I, I am wrong because he's too modest of a fellow. But he really takes his time on a joke. And then as a result, he's super professional when he's on stage at, at shows. If you watched him at a show, you would think, trust me, you would think this guy is very professional. You could just look up on YouTube right now, just look up Jimmy McDonald comedy. Uh, and you'll see him. He's, I mean, I don't know. I think he said there's another Jimmy McDonald that does comedy. So Jimmy is the one who looks like he's 19 years old, but he's 30. He's got short brown hair. And it's kind of flipped in the front, right? Isn't it? So that's Jimmy. And you you could just, if you watch, you'll see it, it's just very professional. He, his, um, all the pauses are correct. The, the delivery is so on point and so professional. And that came from him focusing on a joke and working it out more or less one at a time or sometimes just maybe a couple at a time. And then for me, it's just like throw it all out there. If it's pretty good, I'll work on it a little bit. And then once it's done, what I would do is I throw it in, in the bank. So once I have a joke and the joke is finished enough to be on a show, I throw it in the bank. The problem with that is then it gets stale in the bank. And then when I decide to tell it on a show, I'm like, fuck, I forgot the punchline. Or I forgot all these little details. And so I'm telling you, my thing that I did is just one way to do it. At this point where I'm at, I'm glad that I did that. Because now I have the raw material to work with to make really good sets out of it. But now it's time to put in that work. And I'm so I'm glad I did it that way. But I, I mean, my friends who have done it the other way are having a lot of them are having success and coming across very professionally. And so they've built skills that I lack. And so we each tend to have opposite because we took different approaches. We have different issues. You understand what I'm saying? And, um, so, so that's been my thing, but what I was going to tell you was that yesterday, and so for weeks now, I've known that the thing that I have to do, the most important thing that I have to do comedically is to take my raw material jokes, to take these jokes that are like a six out of 10 or a seven out of 10, maybe not even that high. The jokes that are like 5 out of 10 or 6 out of 10. The jokes that are good, but they need to be great. What I've needed to do for weeks now is to just sit down and, and write those jokes. Really sit down with them for a, an hour or two each, maybe more, and really make them like 8 out of 10 jokes or 9 out of 10 jokes. And it's possible. Because I've done it before, so I know it's possible. And I would say at this point right now, I have a very small amount of 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 jokes. 
but I do have a couple and I love telling them for obvious reasons. I have one joke. I've told you guys about it before. It's one of my favorite jokes. It's my blackface joke. And like, I told that once at a show. I've told that joke maybe three times, dude. I've really only told it like three or four times. I told that joke one time at a show and like I saw a couple people were crying. I had never done that before, but they were tearing up and I loved it. Like it's such a beautiful moment because I'm having so much fun too because I just told it. And then people are having so much fun. Like we're having so much fun together. I love those jokes for that reason. Like there's nothing better than that. It's like everyone in the room is just having fun together. And I'm just on stage, but I'm having fun too. Because when I say the final punchline of that joke, like I'm cracking up too. I find it so funny. Because I'm in like a character the whole the whole joke. I'm a, I'm in like a stage character who is being very serious and is very well, I can't believe this. This is unbelievable. And I have to and I have to um sustain that. I can't break and crack and start laughing. But then at the end, when I finish the joke, then I'm allowed to crack. So I I laugh too. And it's like those have been some of my favorite moments. Like it is a it is a purely blissful feeling when you're on stage and you just said the final punchline of one of your best jokes and it got the reception that you wanted it to get. So when you're thinking to yourself before you go on stage like god I really hope that they they fuck with this one like I I really hope they do cuz I really like this joke. And then when you go on stage and you tell that joke and it actually happens exactly how you envisioned it, it's so beautiful. And then you get to stand there and just watch everyone having so much fun and laughing hysterically because of something that you sat down and worked on really hard. Like, it's really a beautiful feeling. There are obviously so many, there are many, many um, analogies to that. But that's the comedic version of that. That is like one of my favorite feelings. But then how do you get to that? Well, you have to sit down with these jokes for an hour or two and then turn them from decent jokes or good jokes into great jokes. They need to go through that. And that is almost always required. Like you have to take the joke that you wrote and you worked it on stage a lot. At a certain point, you have to sit back down with the joke. You might have to write it from scratch or you might have to go through it line by line and find all the fat and trim it and then find all the weak punchlines and make them or the weak tags and make them better. You might have to throw in an analogy or two. You might have to throw in a misdirect. But you'll be able to pull it off and turn that into a great joke. Because the any I, I, I kind of feel like this might be an overstatement and this might not be true. But to me, it seems like any good joke can be a great joke. It's just a few steps away. Any joke you have that's good and it is getting laughs and multiple laughs and not much silence can probably be made into a great joke that's that's going to bring the house down. And so yesterday <clears throat> I sat down with two of my good jokes. And I I rewrote I rewrote them from scratch. They came out similarly, of course, but things were said a little more clearly, the communication was more clear. 
and the tags were a little different and then for for so for one of them i really rewrote it and it came out looking a bit different this is about um freeing the nip and why i think freeing the nip might be a bad idea and then the other one is about context and it's like a holocaust joke that one i already really liked but i knew it could be better and so i'm rewriting it and it was coming out a little bit better. And I got to the end of the joke. And I was like, I know this isn't the end. Like, I knew that the punchline that I said at the end was not yet the end of the joke. That there were still more laughs from this premise and this particular joke. Like, I knew there was more to get there. And so I sat with it. And I was just thinking. And I was with Nicole. And we were thinking together. And then over about, it literally required like five or ten minutes of thought. And I... I realized what the ending actually is. And it basically involves four consecutive tags at the end of the joke. So there's the punchline that is the last punchline. And then there's four. So do I have to explain what punchlines and tags are? Maybe for someone listening who's not a comedian, the punchline is really like the definitive like laugh point where you go, and so I said to him, this, boom, and everyone's laughing, right? But then after you say that, and while they're laughing, you can say, or this, and what about this? And then they laugh more at those, so those are tags. You think about it like, um, I've talked to Jimmy about this, I've talked to a couple other people about this, it's like hitting a volleyball up in the air. As the, so the volleyball is the laughter, so you push the laughter up, and then it's coming back down, and then you hit it back up again, and then it's coming back down. You never let it hit the ground. You let it come down, but before it hits the ground, you hit it back up. That's what the tag is. The tag is hitting it back up. The initial hit is the punchline. The initial knocking the ball into the air is the punchline. And usually, usually, the punchline is going to be the loudest laugh the biggest laugh and then the tags will be the ball a little lower a little lower and then it fades but i will say for this joke in particular and even a couple other jokes i have the tags after the punchline are actually funnier <clears throat> so it's not that a punchline has to be the funniest thing by the way this is my own feeling on it because someone might might um say that no then that first one isn't the punchline the funniest thing is the punchline but to me, I think the punchline is just the initial hitting the ball into the air, getting the laugh going. And then the tags are the, like the, the things that come after that. Now, anyway, when I sat down with this joke, and I'm telling you, it did not require that much time or thought. It was only about, in total, rewriting the joke and then finding these tags was about less than 30 minutes. But then when I found these tags, I was so happy. And I was thinking to myself, why don't I do this every day? That was the first time I had done that all in a week, probably, where I sat down and was editing jokes. I probably hadn't done it in a week. And then when I had that moment, I was like, I fucking love doing this. Why don't I do it? So I was trying to think about that. And we got to do a whole fucking philosophy episode on that. But bottom line is, I don't know if it's whether I'm lazy. And I don't think it's laziness because I would do other productive things instead of that. I think it's also fear-based that I have like a fear of success that I'm still trying to get over, but I've, I've made headway with it. 
but that's something we can talk about that that would take forever it wouldn't take forever it would just have to be its own podcast so so i just felt great like i i just it's something i really take a lot of enjoyment in is finding those new tags then i told the jokes last night now the free the nip one it still needs a lot of work and so while i was editing it i was having fun but I I, uh, I don't believe in that one enough yet. It's not ready. And so there's still work to do. But the Holocaust joke that, I, like I said, I had added those consecutive tags to, I was so happy with, with how it came out. It came out great. And I don't think that I had... No, I, I do actually. It's like a lot of my best jokes follow that pattern where you say the punchline and then there's a misdirect 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 no maybe maybe not i think this might be unique in the sense that this joke i can't wait till you guys hear it if you do hear it it's like there's the punchline, and then an immediate misdirect and then an immediate misdirect from that and then an immediate misdirect from that and then an immediate misdirect from that it's just like boom 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 and every boom is more laughs so yeah it's a it's a great joke now. So I took a good joke and made it into a great joke. And now there's another, there, there's like, dude, the percentage of, like if the percentage of jokes that can go on shows is only 5%, which is probably too high. It's probably 3% or 2%. The percentage of jokes that you write, if you take all the jokes you ever write and then you take the great jokes, it's like 0.01% or something like that. It's nothing. If you write a thousand jokes, you might have two great jokes out of the thousand. You understand how rare these are? But it seems like to me, if you're using this strategy where you're taking the good jokes and you're actually making them better, then you can have higher, like, then you can really bump up that percentage and make it less rare. Because I've noticed that a lot of comedians will have a good joke and then they keep it the same but there's room for it to grow but they don't grow it they're they're happy enough with how it is being a good joke but it it can be a great joke you should always want great jokes then you will just be a killer a certified cold-blooded killer all the time and you'll have so much confidence on stage because you're like i'm giving these suckers four great jokes in a row Like, let's say you're doing a 10-minute spot or 15-minute spot. You're like, I'm going to just give them nothing but great jokes consecutively. And then whatever happens on stage, like, things can go off the rails and you can have fun. But you'll know for a fact you're going in there with a plan and it is a winning strategy. So, yeah. I had a fun day yesterday. And so what am I going to do today? I'm going to do the same thing because of how how cool it was yesterday and it it was a good feeling and i'll probably sit down with that free the nip one and i'll probably just start it from scratch because last night it it did not it did not turn out the way that i wanted it to at all it i wouldn't say it bombed totally but it pretty much bombed it probably got two laughs we're talking about a three minute joke it probably got like two three laughs that's unacceptable so i'm gonna sit down with it tear it all up and start from scratch see if i can do anything with it if not i'll just do a different joke you know 
And in fact, I've been thinking about scrapping it because it feels a little hacky. But maybe if I rewrite it, I'll, I'll find a way to say it that it's not hacky. I hate saying the jokes that are hacky when I know they're hacky. So I can't deliver them in a way that would do them any justice. You know? If I know it's hacky, if I think it's hacky, I usually just scrap it. And I don't like it. And also, like, a lot of... There's been a lot of talk about... Okay. Wait. Oh, we're at 32 minutes. Okay, I'll wrap it up. But I will just say this one last thing. In our comedy scene, and I'm, and this, this is true for any comedy scene, there, like, there's some drama that'll happen around people stealing each other's jokes. Um... Sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's not warranted. Because I'll tell you what happens. Someone will tell a joke about Tinder or online dating. And then another person will tell a very similar or the same joke. And then one accuses the other of stealing. They go, hey, that's my Tinder joke. You stole my Tinder joke. When that might be the case... But in reality, it's equally as likely that you guys just thought of the same joke because it's a hacky topic. Because everyone makes jokes about online dating. The fact that you two thought of the same online dating joke does not speak to one of you being a joke thief, necessarily. It might, or it might just speak to both of you having a hacky idea. It doesn't make you a hack. It just means this particular idea, this particular joke was hacky. So you should always, as far as I'm concerned, be very self-critical. And then if something, if something gives you a vibe that it might be hacky, then I would just say, don't do it. Like just scrap it. You can do better. And it's the same way, like with me, my perspective has been, and I've talked to a couple friends in the comedy scene who I respect a lot, who have a similar perspective on it. Like if I do a joke and then I see someone go on stage and do a really similar joke, so similar that maybe they're biting a little bit, I just stop doing that joke. I'm like, oh, you take it, dude. That's all you. Because I'm like, if, if if that person could have thought of that joke, then it's not, then I don't want it. They could have it. Obviously, there are exceptions. Like, if you have a really good joke, and then you see someone telling, and it's a unique joke, and then you see someone telling the same joke verbatim, that means they stole the joke. And then you should take issue with that, and you should speak with them. But if it's like, you know, if I make a joke about road rage, and like tailgating, and then someone else has like a very similar joke about tailgating, it's like, okay, you're making a joke about tailgating. That's pretty, uh, you know, tread upon ground. So I just get rid of it. I'm like, all right, no problem. In fact, I'm actually grateful. I'm like, okay, well, that was never going to be a great joke anyway. So you have it. You have fun with it. Sure, go ahead. I will write something new. Okay, so that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, It's just not that hard, you know? Like, I always make it bigger in my head than it is. 
before I get down to writing, uh, I'll always procrastinate all day. I'll do anything in my power to procrastinate. I'm doing this podcast right now to procrastinate. I'll do anything to procrastinate. And then when I finally sit down and go, you know, pen and paper or whatever. Lately, I've been using pen and paper. And I'll just sit down and I'll do it and I'll go, not only was that not bad, it was actually fun and it made me really happy. So I'm going to just keep doing it. I want more great jokes and I have the raw material to make them. Now I just need to put in the effort. And so I will. All right. So I'll see you guys soon. You know, I love you. You got to go. Bye.